All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. I am really working hard today to sound super excited because I'm on my third cup of coffee. And some of those days, you know, you just really got to work at that, that energy level. And so we're going we're gonna to fake it here until I make it energy-wise. We have Robert Leach on the show today, IT manager at, do we say SY Partners or is it SI Partners? That is correct. It's SY. All right. So... You very specifically mentioned, we talked just briefly about this, but you specifically mentioned IT and the budget in your basically professional summary or profile. I mean, this is part of what you do is, and not only that, but you use words like precise documentation and experienced in setting and meeting budgets, which is something that I don't hear IT leadership talk too much about. I hear IT leadership complain more about that. I hear a lot of complaints about budgets. I hear a lot about, we need more money. We don't have enough money. But at the end of the day, a budget's important. We have to hit a budget or we have to ask for more money or whatever it is. But I just wanted to open it up and let you maybe give us a brief, you know, just kind of a briefing on, on, on what's your philosophy around the budget and, and how we allocate money towards technology. Is there a philosophy there or is there a strategy or anything like that? I think there's a strategy for sure. I mean, uh, you know, your budget is basically an ongoing conversation between the finance department and the technology department and our jobs, what, are, what we get our paychecks for and what we get this budget for is to provide service to an organization. And that service can, is, you know, includes uh, hardware, you know, the laptop you get when you start. Sometimes it includes phones or iPads, uh, power supplies and mice, all, all the little, you know, minutia mm-hmm. uh, that, that adds up. But, you know, really what it's going to come down to for the most part is, especially this day and age, is your, your software as a service, your subscriptions, mm-hmm. you know, be that, you know, Adobe Creative Cloud, Microsoft Office. Uh, and oftentimes for a lot of organizations, it's going to be your AWS or your, your Google Cloud Compute. So you, um, that's actually a really good point that you brought that up. So we've got two types of costs, right? We have operating costs. We've got, well, I guess we've got control, controllable costs and we've got operating costs, controllable costs being, I don't know, labor maybe. Um, operating costs, meaning businesses, you know, costs that we have to, uh, that we have to eat up in order to do business, I guess. Rent, mm-hmm. if there might be one. Um, electricity. Uh, you your know, Zoom subscription, your you. WebEx. Oh, I like that you said Zoom. I don't know if I like that you said WebEx, but I like that you said Zoom. Um, because, well, you know, there's a good example because one is significantly, I would say, cheaper than the other. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. on your, just your quick thoughts on Zoom versus WebEx. And we're not bashing Cisco or anyone else here. I'm just curious. Um, you know, I, I have to remain fairly agnostic on this. Uh, <laughs> you know, I work, for a consult- I work for a consultancy. We work with Fortune 500 companies and we have to meet on their platform. If they've got WebEx rooms, then we need to be able to get into that. If they yeah. have uh, Polycom, the big you know, quarter million dollar yeah. Polycom rooms, we, we have to meet with that. Yeah, I work with both. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't. I've got, you know, I, I'm in the same type of, uh, I guess, I mean, we haven't talked much about what we both do, but you know, I have over 300 providers. Uh, Zoom's one. WebEx is another one. And certainly you have people that, you know, I don't know, have turned up a whole Cisco call manager in, in their data center somewhere. So 
Um, in, in that particular case, I guess I love Cisco and, and any, sip trumping, any SIP trunking that you may need at that case at that point in time because you have a whole team of people to manage that thing. Um, but anyways, that's uh, kind of off topic. So we've got, we've got controllable costs. My, from the software as, a, uh, software as a service standpoint, there's this CapEx versus OpEx battle, right? So we're quickly moving into an age where there's much more OpEx than CapEx, so to speak. And I don't... Correct. And back in the day, you used to be able to argue, well, I will host my exchange on site. Well, I think it's less realistic now to say, I'm going to continue to host exchange by myself. I think O365 or Google Docs or, or G Suite, sorry, G Suite, or whatever we're supposed to be saying now, um, is, a, is clearly an, an operational expense versus kind of a CapEx and depreciation equipment model. What's your general right. thoughts on the, the CapEx versus OpEx modeling? And, because that can make a big swing. That could be a big swing in line items on the budget. It is a huge swing, and it's, it's definitely you know, illustrated year after year that, you know, it, it's, it's definitely becoming operating, you know, there's, <clears throat> even if you don't look at it as a software as a service, you know, I think that, um, some of these subscription models and, and that's basically where everybody's going is your software is valid only as long as your key is valid and that's going to be annually. Uh, I don't, I think overall in our performance and the way we budget, it's, it's not going to matter. That CapEx thing has definitely taken some, uh, some money out of our budget that we could, uh, you know, depreciate over time. Mm. And even laptops. I mean, it depends on when your company started and where they drew the line on that. A lot of laptops aren't $2,000 anymore. So that means that our laptops aren't CapEx. Mm. Your iPad Pro isn't CapEx anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that that's a model necessarily that we have to adhere to. In fact, I think we kind of, we need to release that or we need to reevaluate um, what we're we going to way. try to CapEx. Let's say we've got other IT directors out there that would like to kick an old PBX to the curb. Maybe they've got an Avaya IP office or they have... Um, an old. I have a 25-year-old PBX in my closet over here, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. okay, we might have a short tail. We might have a MyTel. Whatever it is, we've got this racked and stacked piece of equipment that's um, end of life maybe. Could be a silo. I don't know if I want to use that word, but put it this way. It's paid for. And you have a PRI running into it, or you got some SIP trunking running into it. And to migrate to a user-based model could mean a significant uptick in monthly, not not always. In, in some cases, it's not because you've got people with ridiculous maintenance contracts and all kinds of other things. But uh, for the most part, I would think your monthly cost is going to go up. How do you yes. make that argument? How do you make that argument? <clears throat> How important is your phone and, and voice connectivity? How important is your fax? How, how important are your your dial tone polycoms. I mean, it's, there is a a cost of doing business and, um, you know, you should, uh, I would be proactive and let somebody know, you know, this year, next year, this is something we need to look at because the risk is far too great to the business. And if if, were to, if it is coming end of life anyways, the average cost per user to even go to a CapEx model on those old phone systems is about $700 per user. Um, So I've done the math. 
So even if you run it on like a five-year depreciation model, it's yeah. If you're going to try to if you're going to try to aggregate it, then you can totally get that on capex. If you're going to go per user, you're not going to get it on capex. So are you going to bundle this as an entire project? You know, a transition away from a, a PBX, uh, or are you going to narrow down your scope such that it doesn't hit capex? I guess what I'm getting is that is you can get creative, uh, and it's not really not it's not even necessarily creative, but it's kind of how you make that argument to upper management. It's kind of how we slice and dice the numbers and how we. <laughs> My approach is I would I would be very honest, very transparent. This is what it's going to cost. This is why it has to be done, and this is our mm. net benefit. Mm. You know, and uh, at this day and age, I mean, especially with Zoom, like my conference rooms, I don't need phones in my conference rooms anymore. Zoom has a dial number I can dial out from mm-hmm. our room hardware. Right. People at their desks, they're not using phones anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get somebody a headset or, you know, we can get somebody uh, a GHO or uh, what is that going to be now? But there, but there there, are Google numbers you can get. So you can get an assigned number to somebody mm-hmm. and that can run through an application and mask their phone's, their phone's actual identity. Yeah, I mean, a soft phone's easy. Everyone's, everyone mm-hmm. provides a soft phone. Absolutely. Uh, you don't have to have a piece of equipment. And if they really, really want a piece of equipment and if you've got some of the people of the old school that need to have mm-hmm. a, a handset with maybe even the shoulder thing, uh, because they don't yeah. have a headset. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, really the, the handsets are, they all come on models or no cop, no CapEx models where it's, you know, it might be, might be $4 or something like that a month to, to have a handset on there and, and never have to worry about it again. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, from that standpoint, it's pretty easy. Give me, do you have any examples of maybe a, a big, uh, overhaul project or, or anything you've done recently or that we can speak about where you had to make a kind of like a, a specific budgetary argument where there might've been a, a significant swing. Any good examples? Uh, I think with Microsoft Office 2016 going to bed in October, I mean, that's a perfect discussion. You used to buy software, you could do software assurance, which was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, come October, we're not really going to have an option to buy software. You are renting it on a monthly basis or an annual basis. And it is going to be more expensive, but it's. You know, again, it is an absolute business tool. You have to have Excel. You have to have Word if you're going to compete in in business today. If you're collaborating with other agencies and Mm -hmm. to maintain that flexibility, you need to have that. And it's it's not. It I don't feel like it's a thing that that our CFOs and directors, CTOs can really say no to. You know. Um, and there's there's really your case is, is is communication and collaboration is really the the, the center of, of IT. You know, if you if you zoom out a bit, that's what it's been for the last forty years is communication, collaboration. Which is how and we do business. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I never understand that. And so the anomaly that I find a lot is when I look at the numbers. Uh, the average, I would say, at least in the mid-market space, the average ratio of IT director, IT staff to end user 
is usually over one to a hundred. So for every hundred end users, there's, there's one IT staff member, which I don't know how that makes you feel. And I'm not saying that it, it can't be done because there's many people that do do it very, very well and are great at delegating and, and using tools and uh, automation and, and things like that to, to make their life easier. And not only that, to put the right tools in their end users' hands to do their jobs better. But do you think that that's, do you think that IT in general, and you're in a consultancy, so I'm, I'm, sure, I'm hoping you're going to say yes, but uh, in general, do you think IT is underfunded or technology is underfunded? And if you underfund your technology budget in your company or your business that you're risking going out of business? I would say yes. I, I think that we generally, I'm very fortunate. We've got a very robust staff here, but in general, the things that I see on say Mac admins or, you know, any of the message boards out there, the IT guys are spread so thin that the level of service they can provide is insufficient for business. I mean, my dad is uh, ex-military. He's a subcontractor now and he lost his laptop for a month once because there was some update that had to happen. A month, this man couldn't do business, you know? For the last 20 years, if I can't fix your computer in 10 minutes, we're going to rebuild one and swap it out so that you're, you're functioning. You know, you a get month? this cascade of a That's month. Insane. That's pretty insane. And, you know, but, you know, U.S. government and subcontractors. So, you know, they're okay with losing money. Um, <laughs> but I think. I, I worked I think in D.C. In, for a in, long in, time and I saw money get thrown around, quite a bit of money thrown around. Uh, uh, and it's terrible. And, you know, that just, it makes people feel disempowered and not enabled. And really, as IT service professionals, that is our job, is to enable and empower a workforce to get their job done. And, you know, one thing that people don't look at when they look at, you know, you lose your laptop for a day or a week is there's this cascading effect. You know, you're, you're part of a team and that team can't function fully if you're disabled. And sometimes those teams include directors and principal levels and people who are really expensive. And so those dollars rack up against you really quick. Yeah, losing and a cell phone, losing a cell phone for a day. I mean, we freak out when our, when our battery runs, when our, when our phone goes dead. Let alone uh, just right. lose a cell phone or have it locked down. Yeah. Uh, how about security? You see all the security memes. You know, the 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 number one security meme you know that goes around is you know uh, our, our security. It shows like a picture of like the security budget, like you know before uh, before the ransomware attack, right? And then it shows the oh, security gosh, budget yeah. after. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, how hard how hard is it? Do you think for people to to get money for security? Do we have any tips? Do we have any tricks? Can we do anything other than, you know, fear and doom and gloom and the insurance policy type of, you know, argument? How can we get more money? Again, honesty and transparency. If you do it after the fact, if you go buy a helmet after you have a bike accident. I like that. That's a good metaphor. You know, it's... it's, Maybe it's like a... And it is. (laughs) Helmet after a bike accident. You know, I bought my first pair of knee pads a day after I banged the hell out of my knee on rollerblades and I, you know, it, it, that stuck with me. Hmm. And, uh, 
you know, and I think also, you know, when we, again, contextually, if we're going to look at this, moving to the subscription software and the software as a service, those things that are expensive and out of house, those things, it is kind of a cop out, but there are a team of professionals that are managing this and supposed to be managing that security on multiple levels. And so part of your security money is that software subscription, is that subscription to your, your SIP provider or your dial tone provider, you know, um, in order to manage end to end security, you have to assure that everybody else is doing it. And that's part of what that cost is you know, with G Suite, with Office 365. If there's a problem with the software, it gets updated and pushed to you. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're fairly consistent on that. You know, in a Mac environment, we've got Jamf to help us uh, manage our patches, you know, and that's, that's what that subscription is, is paying for. Um, so some of that money, we, that security money, we are spending, um, but we also do need to earmark specific money around education and awareness and penetration testing, you know, uh, checking yourself out from inside and from out. Um, and this is where, again, the headcount becomes an issue because if you've got one guy that's taking care of a hundred or 200 people, then things are going to start falling through the cracks because you're, you're just running a guy threadbare. Is there, anywhere, is there anywhere you've seen over the years where IT could say, hey, if you give me this much money, I can help make more money? Is it IT's job at all, other than the service center, other than the service department, other than making sure that we're proactive and keep everything up and running and, and we make sure you know, basically crap doesn't happen? Is there anywhere in IT where you get involved, where you see, where you can see, hey, look, if we did this and this, we could increase productivity, we could make more money. Yes. I mean, it's, it's tough, but it can be done. I mean, the, the case for people getting laptops, say 20 years ago, how many people did you know have a laptop? None. 20 years ago? Well, yeah. it's uh, 2000. So uh, let's see, Y2K, where was that? It was pretty rare. Was in Vermont in a cabin, it was snowing outside. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what I had back in, let's see, I was still in college. So what did I have? An HP pavilion, like little, like kind of mini, mini tower. And I was using dial up, free dial up, you know? I mean, yeah. laptop so was unheard place. of. You know, laptop was a there's, definite no. You know, I think at that time, only a third of my workforce had it. And, you know, there was a decision. There was a, a time at which the processing power and the memory and the storage and the laptop started to catch up to what the desktops were providing. Mm-hmm. If you give somebody a laptop, you, <clears throat> I should be saying this, but you, you can squeeze a couple more hours out of each worker. And so that is an increase in productivity. Uh, you can, you can you achieve mean, a better you life. Head count. You mean the head count. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop referring to people as the head count. That's so... <laughs> But, but yeah. your, you your, your employees, head. basically, yeah, yeah. Your, your employees have a greater flexibility. They can go home at five o'clock, have dinner with their kids, and then you can watch everybody come back up around eight o'clock, nine o'clock to get another hour or two in, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, um, instead of people staying in the office and pushing through to later nine o'clock, they can have a life, 
Yeah, well, I remember productivity without coming back. I can clearly remember going to my boss one day and saying, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to promise you 15% increase in sales if you let me work from home. That's all I want to do. I actually just want to work from home three days a week. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'll increase uh, 15% over, over quota. This was like, you know, however many years ago when I was working for, uh, I was doing like inside, uh, I was doing uh, inside sales for uh, a, a telecom company, you know, selling integrated T1s and however long ago that was. And he was like, okay. He's like, I was like, just give me two weeks. I'll just try it out, you know? And uh, that was it. I never went back into the office again. Because that's, you know, there's two yeah. hours of drive time whatever it was, some ridiculous, you know, rush hour traffic down in DC where I was at the time. Uh, then senseless meetings and, and water cooler talk and all this stuff. So, um, you know, and I know that's not giving someone a laptop, but it's the same argument. It's the product. It's, it's, it, you know, it's very similar. You know, at what point was it that organizations started providing their users with mobile devices? You know, as far back as I remember, like the BlackBerry 6710 is when that first started to create a hubbub. People were able to communicate. They were in contact with their clients and with their vendors on a much more rapid scale than they, than they are now. And there are unintended consequences there. And, you know, you've got the, the workaholics and you've got the people that aren't making their life balance with their work. Uh, the, the, the BlackBerry was probably one of my, one of my favorite phones. The, the whole, like all the series up until the world phone, then it kind of died off and everything. Uh, and then the iPhone came out and pretty much squashed the entire thing. And there was no more Bez, no more Bez servers. And, you know, no, no more, remember the chat you could chat with. I, I think the chat between staff members was probably like one, one of the, I, it, it was just a, it was a great time. The, and, and the reason why I asked about the productivity is obviously IT and productivity really comes into play in manufacturing with uh, product with uh, production. Obviously, technology can really increase production there as well. Uh, in sales and marketing and and other technology firms that are doing recruiting, obviously in recruiting firms, technology makes a huge difference. So it's it's different for every industry. I just wanted to see your thought. And I've been asking everyone this question lately. It's just a fun question for you since you've been at your company now for 19 years, which is a long time. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you in your IT career in general, what year did security paranoia set in? Do you remember a specific time where you're like, crap, we need to be paranoid now? Uh, I'd say like 98, 99, even before I started here, I was working for a company that provided free online storage. Uh huh. And, uh, that yeah, had to after be the first free on online storage in 98 and 99. Yeah. How much storage did you get? Like 200 K? I like <laughs> uh, I think five mags or something like that. It was a, it was a few floppy disks. Um, and then what? Once you went was, over five megs, you paid. Then you paid or something. Oh yeah, there were there there, there were pay options, but nobody was doing that. And you know, you could you you could multiple write a accounts. bot to to create multiple accounts and aggregate your data. Um, <laughs> in fact, we had we had one outage, and we were pretty sure somebody was creating a thesis about backing up their university onto free online storage because we just get at night we get these terrible floods of incoming encrypted data. Mm. pretty fun but that you know that definitely brought security into the forefront like somebody is 
more or less inside at this point. Uh-huh. And you um, to their benefit. You know, um, well, then you just, it changes your perspective, you know? Um, fortunately, you know, the servers went down. We could just hop all the, the, the front-end servers and everything was fine, but uh-huh. <clears throat> it was pretty drastic. Um, you know, even after I started here, I'd say 2002, um, I think that's when a lot of the, the email viruses started really taking off because people had full-time access to their email, not VPN access to their exchange servers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we started having exchange servers out on the border. And, uh, you know, uh, at that time, HP was was a massive client of ours and, and they got crushed by these viruses. and Like the I love you virus. That was like 2000. Yeah, that was it. The I love you. The I love you virus um, was 2000. That's what, I mean, that's pretty much what everyone's like so far it's been, well, you said 98, 99. So, you, so you're now, well, 98, you're now 99 on record was, for being was a, different. Like, yeah, yeah. It was pretty much like but, 2000. But, the yeah, email. That, that, yeah. So, you know, our clients would get hit. Fortunately, we were a heavy Mac shop and I was really like, I wrote my router and firewall. I didn't buy a Cisco or uh, a Netgear or anything. I had a Linux server, two cards, and I wrote uh, wrote the routing and the firewalling in it so that I I felt safe. Just because you know, I was going to it was different. Yeah, I was still going to twenty six hundred meetings at this time. Huh. Do you remember any of that? No, I don't. You Explain. Don't remember twenty six hundred, the Hacker Magazine? <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, you have some if you knew where I was her. back then, I was not. I was not a person of uh, let's just say motivation. <laughs> let's just say I was not motivated uh, for many things. So what happened for me, like pretty pretty much when I got married and and my wife got pregnant and I had kids on the way, that's when I quickly became very motivated. Uh, oh. More more so. See, so part of my goofing off was like I was I was either in bands or I was hacking. So, you know, that was the, my two worlds. What's really interesting, I was talking with my nephew yesterday. So he's 18, okay? Mm-hmm. And he was asking me, you know, like what I do. And I was explaining to him, you know, like wide area networks and this, that. And he's like, oh, he's like, oh, that's interesting because I've been making money, you know, selling like, you know, VPN connections and uh, a weird... Uh, What's wrong with me? Like, like Instagram account names, you know, I've been, I've been selling this and we, we got onto botnets and I was shocked at how he learned all this. I was like, I, was, I just got to ask you, I was like, how do you learn all this? Like, how do you learn about botnets and, and how do you learn about this and this? He's like, well, he's playing Xbox. He's like, cause when you get good in a certain game room, you know, people get mad. So they start like, you know, they send these botnets, you know, they start like attacking your, your home IP address or something to like shut your game down so that you can't, you know, so that you lose. And he's like, now, you know, so now like we're buying like, you know, private server space to play in the game. And then we were talking about upload speeds to the cloud. And it's just interesting to me that that's how he, that's how he learned. It wouldn't be how we learn. It's not how we learn technology. Right, like he's he's growing up in a completely different world. I mean, kind of similar. I mean, kind of the same. You know what I mean? But right, that was it. Was just interesting to get his perspective as an eighteen-year-old kid getting ready to get going to go to college for computer science. Yeah, and and they've only known distributed computing. You know, centralized computing is not something they never had to deal with. 
you know, I remember like my first experience with bots was in the early nineties on IRC and we would have little gang wars and whatnot and try to flood people's connections and take over modems. It was kind of a, it was a wild west, but apparently it's still out there. It's just in a different, um, yeah, it's just in a different form, uh, so to speak. So anyways, that was, I just, what was your first computer? I think it was a TRS-80. I had the auxiliary little uh, cassette tape to store my programs and uh, a, a little 300 baud acoustic coupler modem. It's fantastic. You could store stuff on tapes. I just find that interesting that we store that we used to store stuff on tapes. I mean, I guess discs is still also kind of crazy, and, and then CD-ROM, and but we were storing stuff on tapes. It's, yeah, cassette uh, tapes, and if you accidentally put it in the tape player, it made horrible, horrible noises. I never experienced that. Oh yeah, it was good That's, times. It sounds a lot like uh, you know an early modem handshake, but it could go on for however much data you had on the tape. Huh. So at what? So so then let's just go back to that time. So you got? Did you have business experience before getting into IT, or was it the other way around? Or is it I got into IT and I had to learn business? Got into IT, had to learn business. And do you? Yeah, I moved to San. Go ahead. Uh, I moved to San Francisco in uh, 1996, and that was just as the first dot-com was uh, taking off. And um, I graduated from university with a degree in child development and came to San Francisco, and none of that work was going to pay. I'd had a pretty lengthy history with computers by that point and got myself an IT support job and then just build and read and build and read and take on tasks and... Uh, over-promise and over-deliver. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you have like a, a significant business, uh, I don't know, planning session? Or do you remember your first major like presentation or, or business argument? Or I mean, was there any turning point or anything like that? Like a, a big learning experience? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say even it was a few years into working here, I was the only IT guy for a while. And then at some point, uh, someone asked me for a budget. And I was like, I don't know, 20% more than I spent this year. <laughs> and what they um, say? <laughs> they laughed. <laughs> and, but, you know, then it, it, it had me have conversations with, you know, project managers and, and um you know, directors across the organization because you've got to figure out, well, are we going to grow? Mm-hmm. How many people are we going to have? And then with people, mm-hmm. I need a, a laptop mm-hmm. and I need a phone and I need software. And so you start building this per user budget mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, you try to calculate the growth of the organization and include that. Um, and again, not a cost center that is simply enabling somebody to come on board and be productive and, and powerful. So that's interesting. So you've got projected growth of the company and so we'll just throw a random number out. We plan on growing 10% this year. How much of that 10% does it deserve? 
I mean, is that kind of part of in the argument? In staffing or in cash? Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, you know, like, I mean, I'm being real, obviously very, uh, very basic here. Let's say we've got a, a 10%, like, you know, to the bottom line, pure profit growth, right? And, or let's say our, yeah, let's say uh, we are going to grow by 10% staff wise. Um, well, then you've just got your per user budget, but um, I, I just like that you broke it down as a, a per user budget. I guess, how do you do that? Yeah. And then, how do you ask well, for money? So the part of the the part of the finances that 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 I look at it, it, it's really a, a it's not even a large scale P and L. It's like um, this is say you get hired and you mm-hmm. got a hundred thousand dollars this year for all your projects, all your mm-hmm. hardware, all your software, education, whatever, mm-hmm. and you're looking at a ten percent growth in that budget to verify that that is going to be enough money you have to figure out, well, how, how many people are you bringing on this mm-hmm. year? What is, what is our projected projects look like with our clients? Are we getting more clients? Do we need more clients? Do we want more clients? Are you sitting if down so, and having these conversations with a CTO? With, uh, uh, sometimes a CTO, but mostly with people that CFO, are in the, sorry, I should say CFO. the business, mm-hmm. the business business. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are, you know, if it's a sales organization, you got to look at your director of sales and like, well, what are our goals and how are you going to meet that? Because um, you're going to require. And I need to empower and equip that talent. Mm. You know, so you can work with your, say, your HR department. They know how much someone's going to get paid and I know how much it's going to cost to give them all the tools they're going to need. Mm. And then that together becomes what your, your higher number is. And then your, your, you know, CEO can look at that and like, okay, because I think it gives a more realistic number. If you start, if you start putting the cash in terms that they can, they can understand, like if you're just putting together an IT budget and you have these amorphous things, hardware, software, subscription, Mm -hmm. uh, network and whatnot that's it's not attributed to anything that's an it cost center but if you start breaking that out like well i i have these budgets but from that this is what all the legos look like you know you're going to hire a person say they're going to get hired for a hundred thousand well they're going to need a laptop they need all of these pieces of software in order to function that costs this much a month or this much a year mm. And so I would have the buckets set up in a way that was more uh, in line with the business need rather than my, my small IT view. Oh, no, I that like make it. any sense? It makes complete sense because uh, from a marketing perspective, and we're going to use marketing here because you're marketing yourself and marketing sales and marketing yourself, like sell, selling IT, marketing IT, uh, anytime anyone that knows anything about marketing knows that segmentation is very important. You can't just, you can't just speak uh, broad terms and, and, and expect everybody to, in, in every industry to expect, uh, to, to grab onto that, that kind of, that one message, unless you're, you know, Pepsi, unless you've got some crazy brand, but everyone knows we're not, we're not trying to build a brand here. Anyone that wants to market very successfully knows they've got a segment and bucket things. So I think it's, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think you've got to segment and bucket and or bucket your IT budget. And when I say segment and bucket, uh, like you said, segment it into the language 
um, that they understand. Right. So if it's exactly. new hires in HR, if it's new hires in HR, then new hires would be a bucket. It's not going to be uh, O365 licensing and the uh, VoIP licensing and our licensing for Zoom. No, it could be new hire um, technology costs or, you know, uh, or maybe it's new hire support uh, technology supporting their job. I don't know, whatever we're, whatever we're going to call it, but make that a bucket. And then maybe there's, I don't know, we have any other ideas for some great buckets or segmentation from the IT department? Sure. I mean, take your Zoom room, the, the computers, the screens, the, the microphones, all of the stuff that goes into that. That's, that's, mm. that's kind of uh, facilities and operations. So the IT, you know, this part of the IT budget further enables operations and facilities to provide that service. Okay, yeah. Uh, customer care, facilities, um, you know, whatever, retention, whatever you want to call it, selling and collaboration and retention of customers and, uh, you know, whatever, and I'm placing a number to that. So, and even acquisition of customers, those early meetings, if you can't do them in person, mm, you know, that face-to-face time has a distinct value. And then maybe there's a, maybe there's a bucket for um, efficiency as well. Maybe there's like a, you know, I don't know, some kind of being more efficient or uh, what, what were we saying? Uh, productivity, you know, increased productivity mm-hmm. type of bucketing. Uh, so yes, and then obviously if the company is going to grow, your budget can't stay stagnant or stay static and, and be the same. So I think you broke, I no, think that's, and, and I those think things, that's the goal, bold what you just said. I mean, that's, that's the best way that I've heard someone, you know, uh, help break it down. Uh, we've been talking for, I mean, I've been talking all year with, with IT directors saying, you got to have conversations, you got to make sure that you're talking with uh, facilities, you got to make sure that you're talking with... Um, you know, uh, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, finance, the finance team to be on the same page as you, that's great. But how can we get even more granular or like you said, um, you know, very detailed, uh, very precise, you know, precise documentation and how do we put it and segment it and put it into buckets that they will understand. I think that's, I think that's gold. And I think in doing so, you you eliminate the perception. You know, there's a there's a thoughtfulness and a consideration to that that kind of reduces that vision of IT as simply a cost center. Yeah, because you're you're phrasing and presenting your budget requests and your your budget demands at some point in actionable. Uh, terms to you know the the cfo and the cto um yeah and if they see it as money spent to help and support them uh it's just different it's just very different uh the right. different the the way the way that you accept it is is completely different it's like when someone comes to you with some i don't know i don't know new software is it going to help make your life easier and do more, more work and be productive. Or is it just someone coming and saying like, Hey, I'm trying to like raise my hand and, and get in front of you type of thing. And can you help me type of deal? Uh, it just doesn't work. Yeah. It's different. You know what I mean? Is it going to retain customers and is it going to in- retain yeah. employees? Is it it coming whining to the table um, asking for more money? Is, is that it? Or is it it coming to the table with uh, a really well thought out, uh, you know, speaking our language. You need a you need a very good point of view, uh, and you need uh, context. Mm. 
Uh, it's excellent. I think we should stop. I think we should stop there uh, because that the, the bucketing and the segmenting uh, uh, that's gold there. If you had any piece of advice, um, you know, maybe around that uh, to any IT directors out there listening, maybe maybe they're stuck in a cost center. Uh, I mean, my my initial thought that came to mind was, do we plan on growing as a company? <laughs> that was my initial question that I would think would be a good question for uh, an IT. Uh, director or manager to ask uh, anyone. I think it'd be a good starter question, but any piece of advice or, or question that you would, that, that you typically ask that gets people to, that raises eyebrows or open their eyes? No, I don't think so. You know, I, I mean, I think by and large, it's just maintaining alignment between what the IT department is doing and what the needs of the business are. You know, we, we need to adapt to the needs of the business and the, the needs of the business are going to change rapidly. Robert, and it's been excellent having you on the show. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you, sir. You have a great day.